What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana, here in the flesh with Tony. It's no secret the fitness industry sucks, period. Whether it's the corrupt, multi-billion dollar supplement and weight loss industry, or the endless supply of influencers promoting anything to drive page views. The bottom line is, we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the fitness industry for the better. By providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own life. I'm pretty excited about this one today. We are going to be discussing how to navigate a calorie deficit in real life. Because here's the thing, the idea is simple. Execution, not so much. Life happens and sometimes there's a lot of hurdles and if you don't have a backup plan, you're not expecting it, it can make it a lot harder to stick Mm -hmm. to. More specifically, we're gonna be chatting about the five biggest and most common obstacles that you will encounter at least once on your weight loss journey and how to overcome them. But first, as always, if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening on. We really appreciate it. It helps us reach even more people, which that's the goal at the end of the day, reach as many people as possible. If you're listening on Spotify, you can also give us a little follow. We now see that, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, almost, we're almost at 10K. So we really appreciate it, and it will just allow us to continue, and maybe I can... Get out more. Is we're we're coming out today the, the uh, Aloe Studio in yeah. Los Angeles with our, our friend Giorgio, nice enough to hook it up. And now, quick note too: if you really like the research aspect we bring into every single episode, make sure you join us on our premium side with the membership in the Fitness Stuff Research Review, where we drop weekly episodes diving deeper into specific studies, addressing individual nuances, and showing you how to apply each aspect into your own individual life. We've been seeing a lot of you guys share the presentations on social media as well, which we freaking love because we put together an actual presentation with the research review to actually give you guys the visuals and everything that goes along with that. And we've got that sick deal that we're just going to continue rolling with it where your first month is always half off if you just want to dip your toes in, try it out. So it's just five bucks and you get that fitness stuff research review deals with awesome companies like Merrick Health to get blood testing done, Examine Plus and so much more along with our monthly AMA or Ask Me Anything episodes. So if you're over there, we'll see you on Friday. If not, that's what it's about. Quick word from our sponsor before we jump into it. Legion Athletics, our favorite of all time. We've been working, we were what, 50, 50 some episodes in and we've been working with them since number since one. Since the beginning, Since yeah. number one. And it makes sense because we wanted to build a long lasting partnership with people who, whose values match our own. And they do every single step of the way from their educational first all the way to their high quality supplements every single article podcast video and supplement produced being vetted by a team of MDs PhDs and other professionals i know mariana and i use multiple legion products throughout our daily lives the protein the creatine the multis everything along the way so if you want to you can get 20% off your first order down below with the code fspod that's fspod you know where to find them in the show notes below. Now let's hop into it today. I, I hate saying I'm excited for every episode, but I am. <laughs> I know. I, do. I feel like a broken record. It's like, and today I'm really excited for this episode. <laughs> but this one I am because we talk about a calorie deficit probably every single episode. It somehow works its way in just because of how important it is. But there's that facet of like, okay, if it's so simple, then why would everyone not succeed at doing it? And it's because doing it is not simple. Right, yeah. Doing it is complex. Doing it is hard. And that's what we wanted to map out today is the areas in life where it's very likely to show up and throw you off 
so you can get past that, right? Because that's probably the most, the biggest problem with with most calorie deficit or diet kind of approach is y- you can't be consistent with it, mm-hmm. and that's why it doesn't work. That's you know, doesn't matter the reason. It's just you can't be consistent. So we want to talk about the reasons that get in the way, so you can be consistent. It's easier to be consistent. That's what we're going for today, right? Yeah, I'm excited about it, and I know Tony and I both work with clients too, so it really helps us. I mean, patterns show up all the time and we've both had experience being in a deficit as well and it's just it's just something that's inevitable because tracking your calories it's not natural right it's not something that's meant to just feel like a piece Mm. of cake and fit so seamlessly into anyone's life because it takes a lot of time and it takes some extra thinking and planning so being prepared and kind of expecting that off the bat can already, I think, yeah. help. Expectations are huge. Yeah. Like if you expect something to be bad and it's bad, you can usually handle it. But if you expect it to be good and yeah. it is bad, that's when it becomes hard. And I was going to say, before we jump into number one, which I don't think any of these, are they in particular order? Or are these just no. rolling off? Because nope. it's different for every single person. Because I know I've gone through, I think, four or five of these really present when I go through a deficit phase. Mm-hmm. That's what you were talking about. But again, some that our clients have worked with and are very common to come up to because it really is at the bottom of the, of the line. I've talked about this a little bit before is from Shane Parrish, who's of the Farnham street blog, but he, he wrote a book and one of the main chapters is the thought process of the map is not the territory. That's what he kind of lines it up. Have mm-hmm. I, did I tell you about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The map is not the territory. So if you're unfamiliar with that, maps are great. Maps are essentially by definition, just a simplification of the real world. Right. But they're maps to help get you from point A to point B. And you can write and spend the most time perfecting the perfect map. But at the end of the day, it's still a simplification of reality. And once you actually go into that territory or whatever it may be, if you've ever gone camping before, you might know this pretty well. You could have a map of how to get to the campsite. I know growing up in Colorado, you'd go back in the Rocky Mountains. You have to go down trails and hikes. But once you actually get there, there's a lot that the maps don't show you. And it's impossible to show you that. Like, Maybe a river flooded over and completely took off a path so you no longer have access to the the one route that you were planning on taking. Or maybe there there was a bear the night before and you often now change plans to where you're actually going to navigate getting there. My, like my fight or flight, there would be no plan. Fight or flight. Mariana kills be, that bear. So, no, no, no. It would be run and run somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Running, yeah. Or, or maybe you have a flat tire even getting you to the first place, right? There's just things yeah. that you can't see coming. And that's because the map is different than the territory. So as much as you can plan out the perfect calorie deficit or the perfect weight loss journey from point A to point B, there's always going to be things that pop up. And this is what the goal of the podcast really is today is to prepare you to face them so you know what to do when these things cut you off. When the river floods your path, we're going to give you a backup path. That's the whole plan for today. So let's jump off. And again, in no no, no real order here. The number one piece here that we wrote down on our list is going to be your social life, your social life. And this can be coming at you from a lot of different angles. And I think this is at first going to sound cliche a little bit, but it it is the biggest thing I think that would get in my way when I was going through it. it, My first like real serious deficit that I ever went through probably when I was like 18, 19, 20. This was the biggest thing that would throw me off is when you have friends, family or different relationships that aren't going in the same exact direction as you. And you can't expect everyone just to change. I mean, going through, a, a, especially an aggressive calorie deficit or something like that, you can't expect everyone in your life just to automatically shift and do what you're doing to plan and get there. Yeah. So the peer pressure that 
brings and comes from that, the just constant aspect of having to turn down social events surrounding food, surrounding drink, which I know some people don't, especially when I was growing up, though, that was what people in their younger 20s did is you go out to eat, you go out to drink, you go to happy hour. That's what you do. Like, that's in, what you do multiple yeah, times Yeah, I week. feel like even in your once you graduate college, too, like, yeah. honestly, I feel like it's harder because especially if, like, you're out here listening and you're working a nine-to-five, the flexibility, especially if it's not remote or hybrid, of working a nine-to-five compared to being a student in college, you have a lot more flexibility in your day, at mm. least in college. And then, like, a nine-to-five, I feel like it's, like, you're surrounded by... The people you're surrounded by are a lot of the times your coworkers, mm. and then it's like after that, what do a lot of people do? Like, I mean, I was in the office for I wasn't even in the office, but I was in corporate America, so to say, for almost a year, and mm. it was like everyone just either went out to eat or yeah. or went and got drinks, and so like I personally didn't really know my coworkers at all, or and it was fine, but it's just kind of like it's it's a piece of it that is really important to consider and so taking into account like who surrounds you most often and whether or not they're supporting you right and supporting is not the not doesn't mean they have to do exactly what you do yeah. or even want to do that but just having that support system of like hey you know what guys can we maybe cook together can we try a meal together come to my place like then you have the option of either not drinking and other people can drink you have a little bit more control over your food you're getting involved together on like an activity that you're passionate about but it can come from different areas of like why do you like cooking it's not just because to lose weight like other people could find joy in it, mm. it it's again it's it's about making the small changes but also yeah. understanding it's not easy it's so no. hard well i was gonna say like looking back the easiest time i've ever had losing fat was actually when i decided to do it when the covid shutdowns just had happened and everyone locked away i was like why is this so easy i've, I've never been more consistent in my life when sticking to something it's like oh because i'm not getting asked eight times a week to go out to grab happy hour to grab drinks yeah. i could just sit home and it was easy because there was no one even asking there was just nothing going on there was no ability to do that in the first place and it makes the biggest difference in the world when you're doing that mm -hmm. right so when you're getting set up and, and you're in the time and this could just be depending on your friend group depending on your family group I think supportive friends too and sometimes it might be helpful to have this conversation and it might be a hard conversation to have but if you have a, a, a close friend or two who even if you're going to these events I think it's one thing when you have someone on your team who if there's a lot of drinks going on or there's a lot of food going on and everyone's asking you like, hey, have another drink. Come on, have some food. This is so good. Come on, do it. It's like, yeah, you can say no once or twice, but over like how many times can you say no before yeah. that tipping point where a lot of people have, where even if you have a close friend who kind of becomes that second person to kind of start the wave a little bit, like, no, not everyone here has to drink or has to eat, right? Because if you're the only person at a function, at a, at a happy hour, whatever it is, and you're the only one not eating or not drinking whatever they have there, it's going to be something that's going to bog you down where people are just going to pick at you and pick at you and pick at you until you eventually just do it. Yeah. Is there a good reason for it? Absolutely not. But it helps sometimes when there's another person not doing it with you or at least supporting you and saying, oh, no, like they're not drinking because of X, Y, Z. Right. It helps a ton to have someone else there. Yeah. And if you tell them that leading into it, I think that's always a big component. Yeah. So kind of like getting into tips surrounding navigating like your social life. I mean, it's one thing to say surround yourself with people who have similar values or who who support you, but then it's like, okay, 
where can we actually make a practical standpoint if I'm not really sure if I I know these people are going to completely support me, which, again, like if you learn that nobody is supporting you, that's kind of a time to reevaluate. But I really think that it doesn't come down to having to completely alter your social life in general, but it's kind of like being honest. So that's what I think about and I talk about a lot with my clients is you can feel almost this peer pressure, especially if someone's being like, hey, try this food or try Mm -hmm. this drink, like Tony was saying, but you're allowed to say no. So like, I feel like especially Americans, it's like food is a big activity and indulging is like a mindless activity that Mm. people do. And it's, we don't share food the way other cultures like, like share food and really slow down, sit down at a meal, enjoy each other's conversations, put your food down. Like it's not that cultural experience, especially if you're, if you're just going out with a bunch of friends, but feeling okay about saying no, I, I would say is like my first tip, especially if someone's struggling with this, that's what I'll ask them. I'll be like, Hey, have you ever tried saying, actually, I'm not, I'm not hungry or I'll go grab myself another drink. You don't even have to, to say, no, I'm not drinking because X or no, I don't want to mm. eat this because X. It's actually really normal. Like if you think about someone coming up to, to you and they just said, oh, no, I'm all set. I don't want that. You say, cool. Yeah. Uh, you keep like, pestering, pestering yeah and if someone bit. keeps, keeps pressuring you, then that's like a little sign of like, this is odd. Like, then call why? my Call me like, and I'll come, <laughs> I'll come like, flick them on the forehead. No, but it, yeah, if you just say no, you could really practice saying no. Because you're right, sometimes like if you went to ask someone if they wanted something else and they said, no, I'm not really feeling it, would you keep pestering them? Like a lot of the times, no. And I'm going to be honest too, now that I'm like having all these flashbacks to it, a lot of the time I would even just kind of have an excuse going into it. Like if I didn't want to drink, for example, like I was going to have some food, but I didn't want to drink. And I had friends that would really want to have multiple drinks on like Tuesday night, Wednesday. I'm like, why are we, why? It's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. But I would honestly kind of make up, and this is, I guess, more on the honesty scale where you'd want to, I would make up something going into it. like, hey. Not like one of the biggest excuses I would use is nope. I, I'm driving tonight. I'm not. I'm not yeah. doing it. And no one's gonna pester you of like, oh no, you should drink before you go drive. And if they do, again, this can also really help you figure out who yeah, your friends are. Who's looking out for you a little bit? But yeah, like, <laughs> hey, no, sorry, I'm driving tonight. I can't. Or I got a big, big presentation at work tomorrow. I need a good night's sleep. So I'm just not tonight. But I'm just having some fun. Yeah. You know, like having something in there, like a real reason. Because sometimes saying like, no, I'm on a diet. Everyone in that room has tried to diet before, and everyone in that room is probably like everyone else has failed dieting before. So they'll probably just try and talk to you and like they have. So if you have a legitimate reason, no, I'm driving home tonight. No, I've got a big presentation at work in the morning. No, I need a good night's sleep. Whatever it is, having one of those or a couple of those in your back pocket might help. Yeah, I would even say like especially with the drinking too. Another tip is like I personally there's a there is a curve in terms of becoming being able to enjoy yourself when you're out around drunk friends right so Mm -hmm. if you're not drinking at all like I mean I don't even I never go to the bars anymore but it's not something I enjoy doing and I can find ways to see my friends other ways but Mm -hmm. it took me a while to get there but especially in college when I just really didn't want to drink I would hold on to a Diet Coke in my hand or sparkling water and people are if you have a full drink all the time no, nobody's going to say anything. My my brother who is sober, what he he does is he just gets a beer, empties it out, dumps it out and holds holds it for the whole or night. Or even have you those new Liquid Death, the canned waters? Have you seen that company that's just blown up? Yeah. Yeah, the Liquid Death, that's one of my favorite things you can look at it cuz it looks like you're drinking an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. 
but it's just water yeah. and liquid death. So yeah, have, that's actually a great point too because no one's going to keep bombarding you if you already have If you have one in your hand, yeah. And then food get, definitely gets difficult. I find like especially if someone's hosting you or someone cooked for you, if even I find dessert to be a case where a lot of mm-hmm. people are like, oh, try this, try this. You can say you're full. Like you, you, you can know, say you're full and that you don't want any. Because here's actually a big point. You know, it's easy to say you're full when you're actually full. Yeah. That was one of my biggest things. And I have my clients do this too is have a protein shake right before you go. It's one of the most filling things you could do. Have a protein shake. It'll fit your diet in. And after a protein shake, a lot of times, if you offered me food, I would say I probably might like, I can't fit that. Like, yeah. I legitimately do not explode. want whatever food you have. I don't want it. Right? So that's yeah. even easy. And it'll sound more convincing when you're full, too. Yeah. I really like that you brought up the fullness thing. So, like, oh, especially this trend I find. A lot of girls will do this in college. I know all of my friends did. And I know I did at a point. And it's like, oh, I'm going out tonight. And I'm going to be drinking or going to get a big meal. Or I know I'm going to get pizza later. Won't eat all day. And will do endless amounts of cardio. money. Right? Don't do that. That is one, especially if you're drinking. At some point, you you already know you're going to go home, you're going to go to the pizza place, and any you're going to eat in a gluttonous amount of food. You don't have those inhibitions. We've but say you're not in. even drinking, and you go, you're planning to go out to eat, and you're not drinking. Then if you're going into that meal extremely, extremely hungry, and people do have appetizers out, there is a bread basket out, and you're starving, it's going to be a lot harder to say no. So making it easier to say no... Have some high-protein meals throughout the day. If maybe you're eating at a different time than you usually do, plan around that. But even having, like, a protein bar before you go out to eat. Again, there's some people who, like, doing that doesn't help and it's just adding on the calories Mm -hmm. because they're going to eat anyway. But if hunger is super, super loud, going into any meal. Again, applying these principles of, like, what do you try to do throughout the day when you're not eating out? You don't want to be extremely hungry going into a meal because you tend to overeat. So kind of thinking about that and I think that that can be be really helpful and that will go into like eating out but 100% social life and eating out crossover but we're going to talk a little bit more about that 100% now let's jump it in yeah. number 2 on number the two. list number uh, 2 honestly i don't i don't know i feel like i could say this with every single one but i think that this would be the top not for me personally because i have the privilege of mm. working from home and working for myself okay i agree with you um but especially what i see it depends on your situation but time constraints time Having to pull up my fitness pal, log your food, weigh your food. You have to plan out what you're going to be eating, making sure it's enough. Like if you're doing meal prep on, yeah, top, of like on yeah. top of everything else. And Most people are freaking busy. Yeah. Okay. I have something I need to say. And I just told one of my clients, I've been telling all of my clients this. So my fitness pal did something really wonderful for us in the U.S. Don't we and love them? They decided to get rid of the scan, the barcode feature on the free version. You have to pay monthly to get the scan the barcode feature. So if you don't know what that is, you can just use your phone to scan whatever barcode it is on the package of food and it automatically- The only reason I would ever use my fitness pal. Yeah, so you don't have to search it, it gets the brand, it's wonderful. They got rid of that. So me, I just, I don't even know if I came, if I discovered this, if I didn't, I'm sorry. But I switched my, I just one day decided to switch my location. I was like, hmm, I wonder if this would like, change anything. I switched my location to the UK. I hope this doesn't get out anywhere because I don't want them to do anything. You just have to accept the terms and all of a sudden I had the barcode feature again. So MyFitnessPal, if you switch your location to UK, you can have the scan barcode feature again. How long that will last, I don't know, but 
try it out. <laughs> Bonus. Egg. I think that's actually huge. Yeah. I, I wish more people knew that because I had zero freaking clue until you I was that. I was astonished. Zero clue. But <laughs> the the time constraint issue is and because most of the time, right, if you're going through and it's like, okay, I want to get to a point where I want to cut down, I want to lose some body weight, whether it's a lot or a little, to get where it's at, like paying that much attention to food generally isn't already built into most like most people's days. Oh my God. Most people it's it's and it shouldn't be, right? No. It's like you got work, you got family, you got kids, you got a hundred other 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 things that you're worried about. And I think that's the biggest learning curve to start is being like, holy crap. I mean, you're essentially learning a new language is how yeah. I like to look at it. When you're trying to understand food, whether you're tracking or not, you're it's almost learning a new language. And that's not like a an over overreach, I don't think. I think it's probably just as challenging as if you picked up Spanish, if you've never spoken Spanish before. Yeah. It's tough. And it takes a lot of not just time, but like mental energy as well. Like a lot of mental fatigue kind of comes from it because it's something you got to constantly be thinking about. And there's levels to how far you can take it, right? Because if you want to go and make things easier on yourself and you want to go to meal prep, because that's going to save you so many headaches throughout the week, it's already made for you. You don't have to turn anything down. You just, boom, it's ready. Yeah. If you want to do that, it's like, okay, well, let's carve out a good chunk of time at least once, probably twice a week that you can now prep all that food and track all that food or weigh all that food and have to go through all the time. Again, if you have a plan A that's eating your meal prep, what happens when plan A falls through? And you have to come up with a new one, right? It's so much added time. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're just picking up a new a new app or a new yeah. podcast that you're just listening to on the way to work. It's like you have to dedicate a new part of your life to this. And that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. dedicating a new part of your life to this. Yeah, I, I, I see that too, especially like if you, if you have kids, like, then what do you do? Most people will meal prep on the weekend. Like, do you have care where you ha can even get an hour to even plan out one meal, right? So there's, again, I think a start would be to, for these time constraints, you got to have some aspect of meal planning and meal prep. Mm -hmm. Not every single meal, every single snack, every single day of the week. I, I do know that there are some people that do that, especially in the bodybuilding community, mm -hmm. but that is might work if you have no interference, if you mm -hmm. have a lot of time and you want to have the same meals on rotation, like it could just be easy. Mm -hmm. But I typically recommend, especially if there's this huge learning curve with MyFitnessPal, is to starting with the meal that you have the most friction with during the week. Mm -hmm. One that either you're like, oh, you know what, I'm actually just going to eat out instead. Or, oh, I really don't want to cook, so I'm going to order Uber Eats. Yeah. Or, I feel like lunch for a lot of people, yes. especially if you work in office. I feel like that's a, what I hear all the time for lunch. Yeah, so especially if you're not sure about time, like start with prepping one meal for that, your five lunches during the week, if mm -hmm. that's what it is. Or you can, if you get sick of that, you could maybe prep out two if you have the time and kind of see how long does this take me? How can I make it more efficient? What do I like to meal prep versus don't? And again, taking that time to meal prep will help you get used to my fitness pal. So instead of at lunch, you're trying to sporadically log what you're eating and taking that time and being a little bit stressed about it, maybe not being as efficient, you don't have the time, you can plan that out already for your week. So lunch, you know, is done. So picking away at it bit by bit, depending on the time you have. Yeah. And I think with that, it, com like, it comes frustrating with a lot of people because meal prep... I don't want to say it sucks because it's not it's not the most fun thing in the world is what you realize. But once you actually set up a solid plan that fits for you and you kind of get into the rhythm, you're like, how did I ever do this without this? Yeah. Right? You, how did I ever succeed without this? And I was going to say, there's a lot of ways to make it fun where I know a lot of people when they think of meal prep, the first thing that pops in their head is chicken, rice, broccoli, mm -hmm. because that's what you see like the bodybuilding community do a lot. 
And that's not what it has to be. And there's fun ways to do it. And I'd say take some time and invest it. And I think we've talked about this a lot too. Like if you're working out four or five days a week and you're not seeing progress, take that extra fourth or fifth workout off and dedicate it towards meal prep, investing in some great, like Zach Cohen's Patreon. He has like in five bucks a month, insane amounts of just like low calorie, high protein meals mm-hmm. that are made for prep where it gives you all the ingredients out. So you can literally cook once for the next five, 10 meals that you want it for. Do it. And I think that'll kind of add into how successful and because that's also another thing is you sometimes over dieting it's like you get bored yeah over the same stuff so if you get less bored and you make it something you actually enjoy that's an understatement as its own yeah and I would say another little hack for meal prep that I will use especially with a lot of my clients who get sick of their meals want to feel like they have a choice have variety is break it down into like the core components of your meals and give yourself options mm-hmm. so prepping instead of a full meal together Prep two different protein sources that could mm-hmm. last you for the week or four, however many you need them. Have two like carbohydrate sources, whether that's frozen rice, which is really easy and convenient. There's also microwavable rice or roasting a bunch of sweet potatoes or potatoes, whatever it is. Having two different options mm-hmm. and then getting into your veggies, picking two to three veggies to just roast on a huge sheet plan. Again, you could put the chicken, your protein in with those veggies, kill two birds with one stone, and then put those in Tupperware, se- separate them. So that, say for lunch, if you're like, mm, I really don't want chicken, but I made this ground turkey that has some salsa and, and beans in it, I'm going to have that today with the sweet potatoes and the veggies, and the next day I'm going to have the chicken with the rice. And if you do have that time the night before to assemble them, this also works really well for dinner. So... Dinner sometimes, especially after coming home all day, like after work, and you just sometimes the thought of cooking is nauseating. You already know that you have everything in your fridge ready to go and you could just assemble a bowl. So I find that hack to be really helpful for dinner. Oh, yeah. And it also you have options. So, again, one of the things with like creating a habit is you want to have the least amount of friction mm-hmm. to getting you to execute it. So if chicken is grossing you out one night, oh, well, I do have another option. So it's just giving yourself choices. Some people really like that. Some people don't like that and want to have the set meal. It all depends on the person. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, too, when it comes to time constraints, it's like you're going to notice that there's a sliding scale between chaos and routine that will make this more or less challenging. And the more chaotic your life is by choice because you subscribe to that kind of lifestyle or by force, right? Like if you have a family of four and a full-time job and all these things, it's like you're not really choosing it, <laughs> but it's yeah. a pretty chaotic life. Yeah. The more chaotic your life is going to be, the the more challenging adding this on top of your plate can be. So looking at places that you can cut down on chaos and order to more routine, like meal prep, small things you can take out will make life so much easier. Same thing again, like why I thought the deficit during COVID was so easy. Life was so root, more routine than it's ever been yeah. previously. Yeah. Right. It's it's more routine than ever. And the more routine you have and that you can cut down on chaos, I think that goes a really far way. Yeah. And then also the time thing, backup plans. Again, if mm-hmm. the meal prep maybe it goes bad and you don't want or you just don't want it anymore and you don't have time, whatever it may be, have those frozen options in your freezer. This is really especially helpful with dinner. Have the frozen veggies, have the frozen rice, have even you can buy frozen like chicken and salmon frozen is so underestimated it's not less nutritious vegetables are actually frozen at their peak ripening point so they're more more ripe have higher amounts of micronutrients actually so and a lot cheaper so that's just something you could do 
as well. And I get Mariana excited talking yeah. about frozen, <laughs> frozen vegetables. And then another thing again with this is like I find, especially with like moms or dads who cook for the family, the if you don't have that time for meal prepping, taking a chunk of your weekend because childcare is an issue. When you're cooking dinner, make more. So you have lunch for the next Mm -hmm. day or you have dinner for two days. So maybe it's not looking at the whole week, but it's just looking at the next day and you have the next day handled and you can kind of approach it as you go. For some people, that can be really, really helpful as well. Big time. Now, should we go on? Okay, I changed my mind. This is the biggest one. I think this is the biggest one. I think, yeah, but you could also separate it into like physiological versus like environmental. Oh, 100%. Like, 100, but I feel like this is the one thing that this most one people that just, it's get just like all punched out in the, the face. Number yeah. three, hunger. Yes, hunger. Hunger. Because <laughs> what do we say every single You can't beat hunger. No. No one can beat hunger. Mm-mm. Now, I think it's one of those things you got to balance, and really, you can't prepare yourself because you're like, oh, I can easily say no to XYZ. I can easily do this. Until you're hungry, and the little hunger monster comes in your brain and starts driving the wheel. You ever see the movie Inside Out yeah. from Disney? Inside Out? Imagine like a little hunger guy that just takes over and he drives like you're not driving the car anymore, right? You're not driving. He is or she, right? I don't know why I feel like hunger is a he, but it's it's he or she. It's non-binary. But (laughs) hunger. Hunger is what throws so many people off. It's also why you see people that do those over-restrictive 1,200 calorie or fewer diets fail 100% of the time. It's because they get hungry. And again, we say this every single time. No matter how motivated you get if you're going for a wedding, anything else— it doesn't matter because the more that hunger builds up from a physiological standpoint, which you can break down, the, the less, the, the harder it is to say no. The yeah. harder it is to actually stick and do it. So it's like, okay, cool. You can put up with hunger for maybe a week, maybe two or three weeks. Can you put up with it for months? Because this is not a days to week kind of trajectory. This is a months to months to months to months trajectory. I'm like laughing over here because it's like I ha- will think about how hungry I was all the time when I was like peak disorder with the food um again this is like a chemical imbalance so Mm -hmm. not this the majority of people will not be able to do this i'm like how did i go like two years so hungry all the time that blows my mind like now the second like i'm thinking about food i'm like oop, i need something and i need it now but it's just yeah it blows my mind it's always temporary though like some people longer than others Oh, and there's different right. reasons why hunger shows up in people's lives. And I don't think yeah. people realize that. Like, there's not just one fix to hunger, right? But that's what we kind of want to do is break down where hunger can come from and then what would make sense in those positions to help yeah. alleviate that, mm-hmm. right? Because it could just be from under eating, but it could just be from a lot of other reasons, not spacing your meals out correctly, not spacing your nutrients out like protein mm-hmm. correctly. There's a lot of things that go into it. So break down real quick the difference between hunger and appetite. Yeah, and this is something that's, hard to distinguish, but kind of understanding the two as separate, Mm -hmm. which I think people don't even know can be a start. But hunger is your body's physiological need for food. And it's your body's way of telling you that you need to eat. Mm -hmm. Like your body needs energy. We need to survive. I need food. It's coming from your brain. And that is the response that you should act on. However, Most humans, most Americans act on appetite. So whereas the response from hunger is coming from like when blood glucose levels Mm. drop to a certain level, your stomach is empty, a hormone called ghrelin is released by your cells in your GI tract. All right, I'm going to eat. However, appetite is the desire 
to eat as a result of external cues, not necessarily due to a physiological need to eat. Mm. And these are really hard to distinguish between, but even just having that understanding, it makes sense of like, wow, like why would, when I'm out to eat and I see dessert coming by mm. and I'm stuffed, my hunger is satisfied, but I want that dessert. Second stomach. That is appetite. You have an appetite for the dessert. You're not hungry for the dessert. Yeah. Well, because yeah, I was going to say, most people probably use these words interchangeably. Yeah. But it's very important to define and know the difference because when you're hungry, you're usually not going to get in trouble, especially if you're in a weight loss journey, you're trying to lose body fat. You're going to have hunger, but it's usually not a bad signal. It's the appetite that can throw you off. Mm -hmm. And there's a really big distinction between the two. I was just like, your example was perfect there. I could be as full as possible. But if someone walks by with like a chocolate brownie, chocolate chip cookie, I'm going to eat it. Not yeah. because I'm hungry. My body doesn't need it, but I can't stop. They can't stop. And that's the appetite piece from it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, what would you say would be the biggest thing once you recognize that maybe it is external cues? Mm -hmm. What kind of stuff can you do to help with that? So even as simple as, right? So if your stomach like feels full, so that physiological cue of like, my stomach's a bit distended because that distension helps tell your brain that you have satisfied hunger. So if you feel physically full, and especially mm. this is easier to notice if you're eating out again, like you feel physically full, you know, in the back of your head that if you had something else, you're like, oh, this is really going to do it. But whatever, that is something that can say, oh, you know what? This is this is just my appetite. Like I am physically full. So then maybe it's we're going to pass on the dessert because I am full and I know that this is going to make me not feel good. But again, that is where that's that's a healthy response, right? It's not like a we're restricting it and telling us no, like that's the aspect of I don't use mindful eating because a lot of it is flawed, but mm -hmm. that's the aspect of mindful eating that's very powerful because it's not like, oh, I can't have this. It's just I know my body is not going to be my the be in the best shape if I do this. Maybe next time I'll, I'll save room so I don't get mm. that physical uncomfortable fullness. Mm. So I feel like that is one way. That's probably like the easiest way. If you're eating at home and it's just you and you have your meal prep. And again, some days our hunger is going to be higher than others. So yeah. taking that into account. Like, yeah, and because there's a lot more that goes into it besides just how much you ate, right? Like it's your sleep, so your much. stress, sleep and stress control. So, so, so much. much. So like that was an example when eating out when it's, that's, that's easier, right? Because mm -hmm. I mean, most people are aware when they're eating it that, oh, I'm so full, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. But a lot of the times that doesn't happen at home when you're cooking and you're just like, wait, I just ate all of my meal prep yesterday. I didn't even think about food after, but today I'm not sure if I should eat more. Like, what should I do? I feel like taking two minutes, right? Just taking two minutes, doing some breath work. We, we talked about this before Big on our time. breath work episode to just see if that's just your innate drive to want to continue eating more, especially if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to be used to eating more. Taking two minutes, breathe through it not activate that stress response of like, oh no, like, am I full or not? Can I eat food? Can I not? And there's like, people say, oh, wait 20 minutes, wait a half an hour. Maybe you can experiment with that. Some mm -hmm. people like, and it will become intuitive, but I would say start, start with breathing through it, taking two minutes. Again, if you're still like, people can identify being starving, right? Like, uh -huh. yeah. It, most, that's kind of like, if people, I say that, people. you'll be like, oh yeah, I know when I'm starving. If that is the case, like you'll, you'll pick up on it right away, right? So 
I, I would yeah. say that and then kind of implement that 20 to 30 minute rule. And if it's still like if you could think about eating more of your protein, like proteins are not something that typically make people create. Like, I was going to say, because outside of the appetite piece, it's like when it comes to hunger, there are some staples in your diet that's like, OK, maybe I don't want to pause. I don't need to pause. But it's like, where could you be short of like protein, like fiber? hydration, things like that, yeah. right? Like, what are those things that we could probably boost up to make sure that you're feeling less hunger? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I know protein's a huge... Like, protein's the... We talk... We don't shut up about it, honestly. We don't shut up. But that's one of the biggest components of dieting. And that's why also, like, when I have a protein calculator up on my site, people get confused because it sets your protein higher when you're dieting than when you're trying to build muscle. Mm-hmm. And people only associate protein with muscle. So they're like, why would it not be higher when you're trying to build muscle? It's like, okay... There's a certain amount that your body needs from like a physiological perspective to build as much muscle as possible. You go over that because of the huge impact it has on your hunger yeah. and appetite. Yeah. And why I said before, like having a protein shake before you go out with friends or things like that, it just fills you up like yeah. no other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where, so this is where we talk about how it's it's not the easiest thing to be in a calorie deficit Learning about hunger and appetite is something that you will encounter at some point because you are in an energy deficit. You should. Your You're brain, going to. Yeah, there's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. So something that can be really helpful and for those people who need more of an action, they're not the type of, okay, you're telling me to breathe? Shut up. Like, that's not going to do anything. Trust me. I, I know that. Some people, a lot of people, that's not going to work. Keeping a hunger log can be super helpful for monitoring mm. your hunger levels on a scale of 1 to 10 before and after eating is typically what I'll recommend. So, or you could do this at the end of the day, but I would say before or after eating can be really helpful. Yeah. So, and it's in the moment. So you like, you feel yeah. it, you know what you're feeling. Yeah. So going into that meal, okay, am I absolutely ravenous? A 10? Am I kind of in the middle? Like I could definitely eat, but I could go maybe an hour if I didn't and be fine. Or am I really, really full at a one? Note that, how you're feeling going into the meal. And then note how you feel after. So typically I try to recommend people go into like a meal, not at either end of the extreme, like Mm -hmm. maybe at like a seven or eight. Sometimes you're going to get really up there. It's okay. It happens. And then note how you're feeling after that meal. Do you feel satisfied or are you craving more foods? What types of foods are you craving after? Do you feel like you could eat a whole nother serving? Take notes on that. And then take notes on kind of what was what was that meal. So you don't even have to take notes on what that meal was because you'll have that in MyFitnessPal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could just mark the date so that you know. And what people will find, especially when they're kind of looking at the course of the day, some people are going to have hungrier days. Oh, wow. Like I actually noticed that I didn't have much fiber at this meal or I didn't cook my veggies and I had raw veggies. Something as specific as that you can pick up on. Or I had a salad instead of a sandwich and salads don't really do it for me. You can pick up on which foods are actually really helping satisfy that hunger to the point where you're not instantly thinking about food. Because that's what like that's why you track data. Right. That's why like the more data points you have when you're going through a fat loss phase, the better and easier it is to make sure you're moving quickly. And people never see tracking your hunger as a data point. But it's like, why not? Yeah, because you might find like maybe dang, maybe lunch is I'm almost I'm never satisfied after lunch every single day. And then maybe you're right. Maybe there's one or two days of the week where you're like, wait a second. I felt satisfied Tuesday and Thursday. Why? Yeah. And you look at those meals and you're like, oh, holy crap. It's because it had a ton of protein instead of maybe a salad or something without. And you notice those small things like maybe then I should put some more protein in my lunches. Yeah. Oh, that just solved the problem. But meal timing wise, 
where you get to the point though where it's like if you have a really big breakfast but you're not necessarily hungry in the morning and that really eats up a good chunk of your calories for the day and you have so little left at night and that's when you experience the most hunger maybe that's a meal timing wise where you kind of sit around because I know that was the biggest thing I had learned through myself and I actually noticed with a lot of people is I always got hungry when I started paying attention to hunger at night mm, I could eat whatever do. dinner but at eight o'clock nine o'clock that turns around I am starving and I realized how many times like what if I just made a much smaller breakfast a moderate sized lunch and then I could just really eat as much as I needed to at dinner and still be in my calorie deficit still fit it in and holy crap did everything just disappear because I wasn't naturally hungry in the morning so I could really push it later in the day so paying attention to those signals too don't just they don't just mean like what are you eating for each meal but how do you structure it? Like, what if, I know you said, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, right, where one's full, pretty yeah. much. What if in the morning for breakfast, you wake up and you're at a 2 when you eat breakfast? Like, what are you really satisfying to too much and you go from a 2 to a 1? Is that going to be as important as going from, like, at nighttime, a 7, 8 down to a 2, if that was possible? Yeah. You know, so really looking, and that's different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. That was just my example of when I did it. Yeah. And I see a lot of people, but it's worth paying attention to. So tracking your cues, even in your notes app, for just a week. You would learn so much about yourself that you'd never have an idea before. Yeah, and 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 timing with hunger. I don't want you guys to underestimate this meal timing piece because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, our society has innately ingrained in our brains that if you're eating past, if you're eating past seven or even eight, some reason that's going to make you gain weight, and that couldn't be any further from the truth mm -hmm. and it's a large reason why people will say oh well you know what i'm gonna save some of my calories till the end of the day so i'm mm -hmm. gonna eat a little bit less throughout the day so i save them towards the end of the day and that doesn't always work because then hunger can get really really high mm -hmm. and at the thing about nighttime is our inhibitions are lower mm -hmm. okay especially at a long day at work yeah. stressful day at work yeah. yeah so it's a lot easier to overeat at night there's not some magical powers that the time of day has on how you store fat mm -hmm. at all or how you lose it it's all about your ability to control so yep if it might be a little bit uncomfortable at first, but if you find that you're constantly losing control around food at night and you're also saving a lot of calories towards the night, try adding some of those calories into mm. your day. I just had that with one of my, two of my clients actually, and instantly it was like, oh wow, because it's this fear that you're gonna run out of calories. Yeah. And so you want to save that up, but actually having yeah, but that if really- Yeah, if you're pushing past your natural hunger cues to yeah. do so, it's like, well, that's just gonna shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, too, when it comes to meal timing, the last note I'll have on that, too, is just kind of getting past. And this is what we've talked about with, you know, why intermittent fasting isn't better or worse than any other style of dieting. It doesn't have any magic properties. If you're a person who likes those bigger meals where you feel really satiated, stuff like that can make sense. But a lot of people do thrive off of these smaller meals spaced more frequently through the day. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we were just talking to Mike Matthews, and he loves that style too, mm -hmm. right? So there's not, a you know, six meals a day versus two meals a day. Neither one of them is better. If you match your calorie intake, your protein intake, your body's going to change in the same exact way. The same yeah. exact way 100% of the time. It's what works better for you, right? There's no best meal timing, fasting, one meal a day even though I haven't seen that work out very well for many people <laughs> just because getting that much protein in one meal is almost one impossible. One meal a day. But, or like this, again, those six smaller meals throughout the day, it's like there's not a better one, but if it works for you, that's the best for you. 
That's how it works. You know, I don't know if you ever saw this guy. I don't know where he went. I haven't seen him in forever on my TikTok for you page. But there was this guy who used to eat one meal a day. and he, That's the OMAD diet. It's a one meal a day diet. Yeah. And I don't even, I haven't seen him in forever, but he would just He probably crush. started eating more than one meal a day. I remember he ate an entire sleeve of plain rice cakes. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? If that you got one gross. meal a day, why would you choose rice I, cakes for your meal? I was part of his meal. I don't know. But. That's weird. No, I, that just seems miserable. I mean, some people, I guess, I don't know. That just, I, I have not seen that successfully work very much. Yeah, yeah. If you're smashing two to 3,000 calories in one meal, oh. Yeah, no thank you. That's tough. Um, my bloat would be out of control. <laughs> bloat would be out of the <laughs> Bloat on 10. All right. Next one. I just think we, we really started to cover. We did. Yeah, this first one, one will kind of probably smooth over. Yeah, but this is just eating out. So, again, we kind of talked about the hurt, like, how eating out can be a hurdle, where you'll see that come up. So we really want to talk about how you can make this easier, especially when it comes to like thinking about sometimes you have to eat out, right? So this isn't just in a social setting. It's what do I do when I simply don't have time? Again, this is going to address a time constraint too. What do I do when I don't have time, when I'm on the road, when I am going to and from somewhere for work, when I just genuinely want to eat out type of thing, mm. what can we do? First of all, though, want to make it really clear is that in order to make this process successful and sustainable, aim to eat more meals at home. That's yeah. just kind of the reality of it. If you're eating every single meal yeah, out every single day. That's a tough balance. For some people, like... I would say the only exception to that would be breakfast, especially for those who don't have much of an appetite in the morning. Like if you're going to Starbucks and you want to get some egg white bites every single day with mm. your coffee, that works. So I'd say that that's an exception. Yeah. Um, it's just that sliding scale of like the more, it's, it, because one, it's not that eating out is inherently bad, but if you do choose the route when you're in a deficit where you're tracking food, the calories that you might read on a nutrition label eating out, they just, there's no way for them to be 100% accurate. So you could be tracking Chick-fil-A, whatever it is, and be tracking in a deficit, but you could be eating hundreds of more calories that you just don't see, and that's because you don't know how they're being yeah. cooked, the preparation, I, things honestly, that change. Honestly, your safer bets for control and actually knowing what's how many calories are in your food are like the fast food places, like a Starbucks, like a Chick-fil-A, that have the calories listed on their website for each of their menu items versus, again, right, there's always that level of inaccuracy, but versus going out to eat getting a meal that is prepared for you because you yeah, have especially one without listed nutrition because there's no regular a lot of these fast food places they do have regulations on mm. the wet actual weighing of their food because they're yeah they're it's getting a these very standardized prepared. process yeah. yeah very standardized so but especially when you're going to eat out of the restaurant when you don't know that's when it becomes tough because i mean think about like you, you look at one tablespoon of olive oil has 120 calories Right. So what if they're cooking in a little bit more oil where there's just a little bit more. There's hundreds of calories that can be put yeah. on your meal that you have no freaking clue and control yeah. over, which, again, it's not impossible when you're going out because some people have sales jobs. Some people are in person. It's part of their job to take people out to eat. So that's where it can be a little bit more hard to balance. It is more the slightly that you're going to have more control the more you eat at home. Yes. Not saying never to, but from that chaos and order place yeah. that we were talking about earlier, the more order you have with food around there, the yeah. more you're in control. But... Mariana prepared us a yeah. good little list. So here's what we got. Top five fast food meals when you're in a calorie deficit. Yes. Wait, can we pause? Who do you want to run through these? Do we want to go like back and forth? This is all you. All right. You okay. want to go, you want to go name and then calories, protein? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Oh, we said that. Oh, no, we said that. I think I gave you the wrong. Oh, no, I didn't. 38 grams per. Okay. All right. 
you want to ask me or do you want to? Yeah, let's go. Top five fast food meals when you're in a calorie deficit. Yes, I love this one. This is really helpful and some popular answers in here for restaurants. So we got to start off with Chipotle. Chipotle salad, double steak, black beans, tomato salsa, green chili salsa, and fajita veggies. 495 calories, 51 grams of protein. That's a meal that's going to fill you up. Absolutely. There is no doubt about it. And you can also go onto their website. You can adjust, say you don't like steak. You can adjust the chicken. I know that sometimes, I think the chicken has more calories, Mm -hmm. so you don't want double. You can adjust your protein there. You can go online, customize it, but starting off there. Second, Chick-fil-A 12-piece grilled nuggets. The goat. 200 calories, 38 grams of protein. Get a buffalo sauce packet or two on the side, 25 calories for each packet. We were talking about creating Insane. a sliding scale for like protein quality of food. Yeah. The pretty much essentially like how many grams of protein per calorie. That is insane if you guys yeah. just realize what she said. 200 calories. 200. And they're, I've for heard they're really good. I haven't tried them. How many Oreos have 200 calories? Five, four? Maybe four. I don't and know. I don't like Oreos. This has 38 grams of protein. Yeah. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Going down the list. Wendy's grilled chicken sandwich, 360 calories. 34 grams of protein. Wendy's coming in hot. Wendy's. Subway, six-inch oven-roasted chicken sub, 270 calories, 21 grams of protein. And then Starbucks, reduced-fat turkey bacon and egg white sandwich, 230 calories, 17 grams of protein. That was better than I thought. So there's a a variety there. Also, affordable. Affordable options. And And quick on the go. Those are good to have if you have a back pocket of... Plan B's because sometimes yes. it's like you have a plan A in place. Oh, you're going to eat this at the office, but maybe the manager brings in something else that's over. Oh, I'll just run over to Chick fil A real quick. I'll run mm-hmm. over here. It's so nice to have plan B's in place because plan A doesn't always happen. Yeah. So having these in your back pocket and not feeling like panic, like, oh crap, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I've got 15 minutes. I got a meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. We will, I will put together an Excel doc of this with more options for us to add to our premium. So we will have more options there if you want oh, to yeah, go ahead over there too. Yeah, and subscribe. Because there, I, when I was going through them, I was like, wow, I, I'm like struggling to narrow it down. I was going to say, you can find a lot. You can, if you get creative, you can find a lot of different options Yeah, that so. fit in pretty well. So that's when eating out, I think having a plan B is really, really easy. Yeah. Right? It's good tasting. It's on the go. And it's nice, not even too, if you're on the go, but just like, again, sometimes that boredom factor of whatever you meal prep I'm not going to lie. I think I'm a pretty decent cook. I don't know if I can cook anything that tops just a plain Chick-fil-A sandwich. I freaking love a Chick-fil-A. You know, like something like that or, or a Chipotle, which I might, I'm just recovering from a little a little food poisoning from, yeah, from Chipotle. So I might poisoning. be taking a little break from Chipotle, but just for a week or so, and then I'll be back on the bandwagon. I'm over here laughing because lunch is like my least favorite meal of the day. I'm not a lunch person. I don't really get hungry around lunchtime, but I know I need something so that I'm not ravenous at dinner. And... That is always some sort of prepped protein source, literally dipped in a sauce with nothing else. And lately, my weird hyperfixation has been these like pre-cooked blocks of teriyaki tofu. (laughs) And the other day, Tony, I just had it on a fork and I'm just like eating my block of tofu and I love it. It's so good. But like it is and it's fine. Like I don't get sick of it ever. And I know I will get sick of it at one point, but I'll just move on to the next thing. Like it doesn't. 
like it doesn't have to be anything crazy or extravagant. Like that made my stomach just get nauseous again. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like it's it's little things, and I think that like people it's get way too hung up on just it. Is this okay? Is this going to be like enough nutrition? Mm. Like, should I be eating at Chick Fil A? Like, that's not healthy. Yeah, and again, it's if you're eating for Chick Fil A every single meal, yeah. maybe not. Maybe not. But if you're having it a little once in a while, heck. Yes, do it. Now, there's a couple of tips and tricks when you are eating out, especially at like a restaurant, not a set fast food point that has an option on it because there's going to be those cones you got to work around, mm. right? Because you don't know how they're being prepared. You don't know how it's being cooked. You don't know the changes to the menu items. There are some staples where I've even heard of a story. I was telling you this the other day of a man who it was actually comparing two guys. I think this, the first guy said, okay, I'm going to go on a complete diet. I'm going to change a lot of things out. The second guy was just on a sales team, and that's where he would just take people out to lunch. You'd usually eat out one meal a day, maybe more, Monday through Friday, just because he'd have to take people out to lunch. That was mm -hmm. part of his job. The first person set all these rules in place for their diet, for their training, everything else. Second guy just said, okay, new rule. Whenever I eat out at a restaurant, I'm going to eat what he saw as the healthiest thing on the menu. Over the course of the first few weeks, the guy on the diet, big plan that he changed, lost a little bit of weight quickly. At the end of the year, the guy who just made that one simple change lost, I think, 20-plus pounds where the other guy was back at square one. Mm -hmm. So sometimes those simple changes where it's like, okay, maybe if you're just going out to eat because your family, your friends, whoever they like to, look for small things. I know a couple big things are look at the differences between grilled or fried. Grilled versus fried or or broiled just because it, that oil is so hard to control for. Yeah. But if you're getting something grilled, you know it's on the grill. It's not being oiled up nearly and battered as much yeah, yeah. Or, or especially something like even though that tastes so freaking good right <laughs> baked potatoes versus fried potatoes sauce on the side this is a big one too with salads too because usually and this is the one that sneaks up is people are like okay i'll order the healthiest thing on the menu that's usually a salad and if you look at the actual nutrition value sometimes it's higher than almost anything else higher in sugar fat calories than anything. Yeah, what was the one that we were just looking at the one at the cheesecake factory the Barbecue Southwest It was chicken like a salad. couple thousand. No, it wasn't a couple. It was no, over it was the, a thousand. It was over 2,000. It was oh. 2,095 calories was the Barbecue Southwest chicken salad yeah. at Cheesecake Factory. 2,000 calories in a salad. Yeah. So Right? And another rule Mariana came out with, which I actually really love, it's the pick one out of three rule, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going out, you have dinner. And usually with dinner, especially if you're getting out, you have appetizer, you have dessert, you have drink. Instead of just indulging in the whole course, pick one. Right, So you got your dinner, but pick one. You can have an app and dinner, then don't get a dessert or a drink yeah. or vice versa. Pick one of those. And again, at, in the moment, is that the best possible thing you could ever be doing? No, but it's way better, especially if it's something you repeat over time. Yes. And if this is like, these are some tips we're putting out. Like, we're not saying do the pick one of three rule and pick the grilled over broiled and the sauce on the side. Mm. And start with one, because if you typically don't think about this at all, if you just want to start with the pick one of three, and every time you go out, you know you're the type of person that's always going to get an appetizer and an alcoholic beverage and maybe have a bite of someone else's dessert, that's already cutting out a significant amount of, of calories that you're going to be adding. And oftentimes, it's going to allow you to enjoy your main meal more. Mm. So mm, Big time. All right. So let's finish up this one. Big old list. With the fifth one. And this is going to be something that's more or less impactful depending on someone's day-to-day, -day, their job, their family. Number five is travel, yeah. right? And travel, and we're not just talking travel about like airfare across the country or moving around a little bit, but just travel as far as, you know, how far is your commute to work? How often are you driving far to see friends? Or if you are, where are you flying to? I know I've got family throughout the, most of it back in Denver. I've got friends in Atlanta. I've got friends on all coasts. So traveling does happen more or less, yeah. right? And my girlfriend and I like to take weekend trips all the time where it's like, if you don't have some sort of plan going into it, 
It can bite you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and traveling, like, what are you going to do when you go on vacation? Do you want to feel like it's a time to blow everything out of the window or do you want to have something you can hold constant? Yeah. Um, even if you're going on a work trip, like, I mean, I'm here in L.A. right now. I'm going to be here for eight days and small things, right? We're not going to stress about being able. You're probably not going to be able to track most of your calories. Mm. You probably are going to gain a little water weight. It's like accepting those things that are inevitable and focusing on what you can control. Went to Target. I picked up some oatmeal packets because I knew breakfast would be something. Well, we're I, not going yet, right? Yeah. Like the day's still starting slowly. Yep. You got that to yourself. And I know so I'm hungry that. at breakfast, so I'm going to have something. Got some protein bars as, as well, so I always have something in case I get hungry to hold me over. That was it. Found a grocery store when I first got here. Yeah. And Well, I was going to say that you had a good point at start, too, where it's like decide going into the travel piece. If you travel often, like for your job or it's just a part of your life that you do a lot— then you might want to tighten up control where I know yeah. too, when I have clients who maybe go on one or two vacations a year, don't make it feel like it's about your diet. Don't do all that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to shut down everything, but ask yourself and kind of see balance where you need to go. Because if you travel one week, twice a year or something like that, that one week is not going to derail no. everything you've done. But if it's something that you're traveling one, two, three times a month, that's where it can easily get in the way and screw you up, especially if you do like to indulge yeah. when you're traveling. So I think that first one, right? Prepare what you what you have, and especially if you travel, it's use. A lot of people don't do it by themselves. They've got I know for Except business for work, like people yeah, travel alone. For but I'm saying even there, it's like you're meeting other people. You've got work there, or it's with friends. But like Mariana did, it's like you know the first meal of your day is going to be just yourself, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to have outside factors. Everyone's not going out to this restaurant, grabbing these drinks afterwards. That one's yourself. So pick up something that you can fit for yourself that you know is going to be constant. And I was going to say another big one that I've got a couple clients, I think just two or three, that travel three to four weekends a month. Like, it is a constant thing. And they're yeah. smaller trips, but it would constantly be throwing us off. Where it's like, okay, we, it doesn't matter how great we are Monday through Thursday. If Friday through Sunday, we just keep falling off and we're, we're out late drinking, we're doing all this stuff. And another way to do it is we even have like a, I know Bill Campbell was the first one to kind of tell us about that hybrid fasting approach where this actually killed it for these clients where they know later in the day they're going to be overindulging. Yeah. We've tried to say, let's just say no, let's suppress it, let's hold back. And every time it fails us, because sometimes that's just what happens, right? You've got certain situations that it's hard to get out of. That's where on these situations, they would just have a one, two scoop of protein in the morning, not eat a big allotment of calories. So they have so much more room later in the day. So they can still indulge. They can yeah. still go out because they know they're going to. So they'd much rather do that and just make the morning a little bit tougher than try and spread it out, have something big and then just having to constantly rely on that yeah. that uh, self-control. Yeah. I find that, like, that's where it's, like, again, everyone's different. So, obviously, right, I feel like this is, like, whenever I say these, like, hey, just so you know, sides, I'm, like, people are so chronically online. The fact that I'm, like, making sure that people aren't offended, like, Oh, yeah, right, always covering Like, I'm going to be, like, obviously, if you are the type of person and you're on vacation and you know you're going to maybe drink, eat a lot later, no matter what, but you're still waking up and you're so hungry, it's all you can think about. Not, not, don't just like starve yourself. So yeah. like that's an uh, yeah. Everything's based on. But you. if you know it's easy you. for you to just like, hey, like I'm not gonna have much of a breakfast. We gotta have some protein. Hold me over. Not gonna think much of it because it's really not that. Yeah. If yeah. it is that deep, then don't do it. Yeah, yeah. If it's, it feels like it's really a freaking like a real hard. Th it's okay. Back yeah. up. Pump the brakes a little yeah. bit because everything's based on you. And another piece, and this is again, the more frequent you do end up traveling, it's like okay. This has really helped out myself over the last few years as I've traveled more and more. But the Airbnb versus hotel conversation, the only big difference there, because I know people are like, oh, I hate Airbnb. They've had bad experiences. It's like sometimes, though, 
hotels can make it challenging to have food on your own because you don't have a kitchen. Yeah. You know, at best you have maybe a mini fridge and a microwave, maybe. And some of them don't even have no, those nowadays. Where in mm-hmm. Airbnb, if you have a full fridge, a full stove, an oven, everything that you need to cook, it's like that's where my girlfriend and I now will go travel. We'll go in Airbnb and we'll cook almost every meal at home while we're gone. We, we don't eat out when we yeah. go places because we can cook some great meals and actually cook some dinners together where it's like, oh, could not even come close to doing that in a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like this is price aside. Obviously, if it's like so much cheaper to stay in a hotel, like we're just saying if, again, if you're choosing, like if price is not the biggest issue, biggest confounding and you could choose between the two, like so much more control. I had a tiny little stove top and oven and I was able to I cooked dinner one night like I was able to keep like deli meats and stuff in the fridge, some yogurts because I know I typically get a little bit hungry late at night. So I wanted to have some yogurts there like it just makes it so much easier to even have the option. Right. It's it's not saying it's not the stress of, oh, now I have Mm -hmm. to worry about what am I going to cook all week while I'm traveling? Where am I? No, it's placing a stimulus in front of you that makes you think twice about a decision you're going to make with regards to your food it's not like oh we have to eat every single meal it's oh now i have the option to so yeah let's try that out i know we know that the more options you have the easier the easier it is yeah if you got one route it's not going to work it's not going to work i think that's do we want to tie a wrap on it there yeah tie a bow on it there now that is our top five top five yeah ways to actually navigate it you're going to be hungry you're going to travel you're going to be eating out. You're going to have time. You're going to have a social life. These things are all better in there. So expect what's coming. Because if you don't expect what's coming, I don't want to say you're not going to make it, but you're probably not going to make yeah. it. Or you're going to have to sacrifice pieces of your life that you really enjoy. And that's like feeling like you have to do that in order to strive to be super, super thin. Mm-hmm. That like gets onto this extreme. But like it's a slippery slope. And just being aware of like, there's a huge difference between being around people that you're like, ooh, I don't really think we have the same interests or values. And it's this process is making you realize that that's different from loving the people you're around and actually completely shutting yourself yeah. away from them. So you can do this. Like if you really care, love about these people, taking the time to like sit down and have a conversation about it, it doesn't even have to be with everyone, maybe just one and, and finding one person that you feel like you could do other things with. Like it's worth it you don't have to completely shut yourself off from the outside world so that's where we'll leave it that's where we'll leave it so we got some more closing points though oh do we yeah so this is we got one more that was like closing out you know these hurdles this isn't specifically a hurdle but we i felt i felt like it fit in so especially when it comes to making calorie deficit easier right we're not specifically talking about like a hurdle but this could address a lot of them just some simple food hacks to the hacks. make a calorie deficit easier. So first, sauces are tough. Like you don't want to eat bland food. No one wants to just eat bland food all the time. There are low calorie, sugar-free options. Sugar-free barbecue sauce is, is impeccable. It, is it Sugar Ray? What's the guy's name? The 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 cool looking dude? Something Hughes. It's Hughes. I think Hughes. it's Hughes. But they have different brands and that same thing goes for salad dressings. There's reduced fat, low sugar, I was gonna say, what's the the salad dressing? Is it? I hate the name of it. Is it Skinny Girl though? I don't even get that one. I I'll just get like the Kens or. The I was gonna say you can find them with any brand that has like the low fat, low calorie, like yeah. ranch, it's whatever. But I know Skinny Girl does a whole line. They of They also do zero calorie. Zero. That's zero calorie. Yeah. So like that's also an option. Taking advantage of condiments, soy sauce, hot sauce. There's a lot of options that you don't have to rack up the calories in. 
pasta sauce, going with a tomato-based sauce versus a cream sauce. And then there's also like reduced fat and fat-free pasta sauces that are really good. Um, so that kind of takes away a lot of the oil. If you wanted to make a new sauce that you could prep for the week so you had it, mm. also an option. Again, this is not to say that the low-fat version is better or you can only have the low-calorie. I, I hate that, that people are like, oh, like, why can't I just eat the normal one? I, we're not telling you not to. This can just make it easier to eat more food, right? We're trying to stay on top of hunger. None of these things I just listed out are filling foods ever, e even in their fullest no, calorie no. form. This allows you to eat more food in a deficit and have it taste a little bit better. Yeah, like all of these are really the ones that are the least filling that you would least notice going with a zero yeah. calorie option. We're not saying like, oh, if you really enjoy cake, get the low calorie because that's going to taste like crap. It's yeah. Gonna, it's just gonna, <laughs> these are the small things. It's like, why would you want to take up hundreds of extra calories? The cooking spray yeah. versus olive oil, the barb, like the, the sauces, the oh, yes. condiments, the stuff like that. It's like those are the things where a small taste difference, but saving potentially hundreds of calories to give you more room to eat what you actually want. That's where these food hacks yes. come into play. Yeah. Cooking spray is a huge, huge one. Again, olive oil. I'm Italian. Love olive oil. Rakes up the calories. So whenever it's not required in a sauce or a dish that I know that I need this olive oil for. I'm not just going to mm. douse my veggies in olive oil. I'm going to use a cooking spray. That's what people realize the first, like the first time some people that cook with a lot of oil. Have you been with someone who starts my tracking their calories and they start tracking? They're like, oh my good yeah. gosh. And like, it, I mean, sometimes it's not an there's exaggeration. No Close to a thousand extra calories in just oils. And there's no point to there. Here's the thing, right? There is no point to it either from a cooking method perspective. Again, dishes like oh my gosh you can't make pesto without oil mm -hmm. like it will taste disgusting people will add water i'm like it's not the same you can't make an olive oil cake without olive oil like there's dishes that really require olive oil and a substitute is not going to work when it comes to like roasting your veggies when it comes to like coating your chicken so that you can add some breadcrumbs to it when it comes to even greasing a pan spray that yourself. especially <laughs> greasing, greasing yeah. a pan you don't need a freaking douse of olive oil to yeah. just get the pan right you know yeah. it doesn't it's hundreds of calories a day yeah so that's 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 a note. And then I also mentioned this a little bit beforehand. Actually, I already covered this, but frozen veggies and frozen proteins, do not underestimate them. Canned foods, canned beans, canned corn, canned peas, if you like them, again. Um, but beans. having those options. Some switches when it comes to, again, getting in more protein. Protein pasta is a great option. Some people absolutely hate the texture of it. If you are one of those people, don't eat it. Just have the regular pasta and lower your portion and have some protein with it. But that's also an option there. Microwavable rice, make your life easier or invest in a rice cooker. Whole grain popcorn instead of buttered popcorn is also a great option. Uh, there's some packages that are like lower calorie that also tastes like movie theater butter. I don't know if you've ever. Yeah, I actually used to do that when I was on when during that COVID. I remember that was a staple. I'd have a bag of that a day because yeah. it was so low calorie, but so yeah. good. Which, yeah, it's like just look, you don't have to get low calorie everything, but those hacks can add. Yeah. The so those are just a few up. swaps. Like one I would say not to do is like if you are someone and I made this mistake. So learn from me. If you are someone that absolutely loves peanut butter. Right. And you're like, oh, I can't have it because it's so high in calories. Don't tell me to get PB2. Don't get B PB2 because one, you'll probably eat a lot more of it than you would have the peanut butter because it's like, you, you don't get just, what you're looking it for. It teases you a little bit. Yeah. It's like, here's a little bit, but I'm not going to take yeah. all. Like in those away. recipes, again, where you like say you want toast with peanut butter. I'm not saying if you're adding some PB2 for a little bit of flavor to one of your recipes, like sometimes that's a really great option. I'll mix them into yogurt. But accepting that if you are really, really craving a certain food that is typically higher in calories, you're much better off controlling the portion of it and eating it mm. instead of trying to suppress it with other things. So 
I think that's 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 it for this episode. That's it. That's it for the episode. Y'all know where to find us over on FS. Pod. What is it? What I don't even know what it is. FS dot pod. That's what I don't even Tony know. Tony had uh, I, I hope y'all know. I hope hours. y'all know when y'all listen to me in this one. If you're still somehow here, I got food poisoning from what I suspect. I don't want to blame Chipotle yet, but what, from what I suspect was Chipotle. What was that? Thirty six hours ago. Spent all nights up, and yesterday could not physically get out of bed. But we're here now. Mm-hmm. We're filming. We're on about three different sources of caffeine that's getting us through. I need a new one. And uh, we made it. Oh, left my made caffeine it. in the car, Tony. Oh, we're having a rough day. Oh, there's caffeine. Okay, so that's cool. a good word. All right, that's what we Far got. Out. We'll talk to y'all soon. <laughs>